Welcome again to the SEM podcast. Jack and Zach are here once again, and tonight we are joined by the famous Drew Allen. Drew, what part of the world are you calling from today? I'm calling from the faraway land of North Ogden, Utah. Oh, that place is far away. I kind of boring. What, the other. It was when I was a kid anyway. It was like the outer nether regions of the valley of Salt Lake. All right. Well, Drew, you told us you've been listening to the podcast. Um, your name has been mentioned at least a half dozen times, if not more, over the last number of weeks. And so I'm sure there'll be many of people who are looking forward to hearing your experience in Scotland. So let's start first talking about pre-mission, decision to serve, reaction going to Scotland. Then we'll go over talk about life since coming home. And then we'll go back through the mission. So you're up, Drew. Cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's been fun the last probably five or six podcasts have all been people that I served with or around and overlap. So it's, that's been a good kind of prep to listen through some of those guys. Uh, yeah. First time caller, long time listener, uh, love the podcast. I never watch it on YouTube though. I probably need to go back so I can see some of the pictures and, uh, and see it that way. I just end up listening to do it on the podcast, but I uh, love what you guys are doing. So yeah. Um, a little bit about me before the mission call. I, I grew up in the church. Um, Lived in Utah really my whole life, kind of that same 20-mile radius. I always wanted to go on a mission. Um, I really wanted a spiritual experience, though, to, like, know that I should go, right? It was kind of during the time when the bar was raised, and there was really the encouragement to go and kind of the expectation that if you were worthy, like, you went. Um, and I was fine with that. But I remember really wanting, like, a spiritual answer, uh, knowing if I should go or not. I never really got one. Um which I think there's probably a lesson learned in that, but I remember like going to mission prep and to the temple and praying so hard and like wanting like a clear answer of like, yes, you think you hear some of these cool stories um, of people knowing that they were supposed to go. Uh, I never really had anything like that, but, but that's fine. Um, I have one older sister and three younger sisters, none of which served missions, kind of the oldest of the grandchildren as well. So I really didn't have a whole lot of people around me that had gone on a mission. Um, I just flat out didn't know what to expect. Like we were the typical, you know, you had one set of missionaries that covered like 40 stakes or some like unbelievable number. So I never really saw missionaries. Um, They were never really in our homes. I I just didn't know what to expect, um, which I guess has some pros and cons, but I remember, and I took some notes here. So forgive me for reading this verbatim, but I remember uh, Elder Russell and Ballard gave a, a talk back in 2002 at the priesthood session. So that was five years prior to my call. So it was a way back, but um, it stuck out. So he said, we don't need spiritually weak and semi-committed young men. We don't need you to just fill a position. We need your whole heart and whole soul. We need vibrant thinking, passionate missionaries who know how to listen to and respond to the whisperings of the Holy Spirit. This isn't a time for spiritual weaklings. We cannot send you on a mission to be reactivated, reformed, or to receive a testimony. We just don't have time for that. We need you to be filled with faith, hope, charity, and love with an eye single to the glory of God. And that is not all we expect of you, my young brethren. We expect you to have an understanding and a solid testimony of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. We expect you to work hard. Um, I remember that sticking with me. I was like, that, like that's pretty hardcore. I, I don't know if that would be received very well today if someone stood up in conference and laid it down like that. Um, but that, that stuck with me. That you know, it, it was that big of a deal. One thing is, remember, like prepping for a mission. I think, and maybe it was maybe Elder Fitzer that kind of touched on this. We don't do a great job prepping 
like for how much fun there is to have on a mission. We always hear that like it's going to be hard and foreign and like long grueling hours. Um, but we never really talk about like the fun memories. And I think that's why this podcast has done so well. Cause like there's so much fun. You, you think back on it and the, the fun definitely outweighs the weird or the bad or the terrible. Um, so, it's true. Thank it's goodness. True. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is, you hear some of the stories and it's amazing that we still look back on it and respond to some of these mm-hmm. uh, crazy stories. Um, yeah. So I didn't really have a, any idea of where I'd serve. Uh, my, my old man served in Alberta, Canada. So he's always just talked about how cold it was. They put like, golf balls in their mittens to go knock on doors because it was so cold um so i didn't want to go there i took spanish through high school so i thought maybe i'd go somewhere to south america uh, scotland never really crossed my mind um i got my mission call the week of it was over the 24th of july in 2007 um my mom's side of the family for their for christmas present they take all of the extended family up to sun valley idaho on vacation so we were up there and kind of wondered that maybe the call would come while we were gone, and, and it did. So we had some neighbors overnighted up to us. Oh, wow. So that was fun. We were at the Olympic That's pool cool. in Sun Valley. Yeah, if you've ever been up to some of them, have the big outdoor Olympic pool. And we were up there, and I don't know how many family members we had. Probably like 50. Last year, we had like 75 people there. It was So it was fun. We had all of our extended family, and I, I actually opened my mission call on the side of the pool, like in my swimming suit. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's awesome. No one had a clue. Like everyone, like was like cheering. You have all these people that are not members of the church. Like who is this weird family? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I did pronounce it Edinburgh. Uh, never, never heard of Edinburgh before. Kind of knew where it was on a map. Uh, Elder Lucas would be furious that I was this you know ignorant yank that couldn't go point out like uh, the United Kingdom and, and everything that's within that, but. That was fun. Every we go to that same vacation every year in July, so that's always kind of a fun reminder. Well, that so, is cool. Another kind of cool thing about getting my call: I had a neighbor whose nephew received the same call to leave the same day. So his name is Jake Mulford. Um, we kind of had like an awkward, you know, kind of first date. But, uh, my neighbor was like, "Yeah, our nephew got invited to the same mission, like leaving the same time." So he came over. We had like brownies and ice cream or something, and. Uh, it, it was kind of awkward, but we, I think we had a big map folded out on the kitchen bar and we were looking at it like, Oh, what, what if we went to Loch Ness? And, uh, that, that was kind of fun. So we made a little connection there before we left. I had, that, hap- I had that happen to me too, with one oh, of my missionaries from my mission or my MTC group. So he, he was in Farmington where my, one of my aunts and uncles lived and they're like, Oh, he's leaving the same day. And we went and like shook hands. It was like, nice to meet you. And then it was just the most awkward thing. So I know exactly what you went through there. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. Luckily Jake was really outgoing and uh, made it not awkward, but I was really awkward. It was, it was, it was a bad first date, but, but that, <laughs> that was fun. Um, kind of another cool connection. My grandparents at the time were serving a, a service mission at the conference center and one of the missionaries there, he would, I think he would take the Boy Scouts back to like the National Scout Jamboree um, in Scotland or something. So he was like, well, come down, I'll give you a tour of the conference center. So I showed up and he's in like full on kill, like a walking stick. And nice. I, I feel bad. I don't even remember his name, but um, he, he did a really good job of, I guess, of getting me excited to be there. And um, yeah, that's cool. That's amazing. So yeah, that kind of sums up the pre-mission. Um, Post-mission life, 
Um, I'll talk on this a little bit, but I didn't, I didn't really know what I wanted to do for school. I didn't do any college before I left. I wasn't that uh, mature or smart to go uh, get any college done beforehand. So kind of my last area decided to go to Utah State. Um, ended up rooming with actually Jake Mulford and another missionary, Tyson Bear. So that was really fun. Nice. Um, I remember, I think it was just Jake and I, I don't know if Tyson was back or not yet, but we thought it would be a great idea to take like an accounting 2010 class at like 6.30 in the morning or something absurd. Um, <laughs> you know, we were fresh off the mission, motivated, like ambition was high. That, that was not a life, uh, not a wise life choice. I remember going to, um, to Frank the Tank Schumann. I think I had like a D minus at the end of the semester and just like pleading to him. I was like, I came to all your classes and he went through the most like basic can you explain what a debit is and what a credit is and what's an asset and what's a liability? And, and somehow he gave me like a B. Oh um, my gosh. <laughs> nothing short of a tender mercy. Cause that, yeah, not a smart choice doing that. Um, so yeah, we lived up at Utah state for a while. It was kind of cool. We had a roommate that lived with us that actually ended up getting baptized with, and it really wasn't like member work that we did. I, I think he reached out to missionaries on his own and he was like, Hey, I live with these three guys. Like they're kind of weird, kind of quirky, but I think he saw something he liked. So that was kind of cool that he, he just kind of surprised us like, Hey, will you come to my baptism in a week or something? And we were like, Oh, wow. That's like, a, that is cool. So that was pretty fun. Um, about the same time I met my wife um, up at Utah state, terribly gaggy like student ward family home evening experience uh i think we knew each other for like i want to say it was like a week and a half to two weeks and we actually called the temple and set our ceiling date um nice i hadn't, I hadn't proposed to her at that point because <laughs> i guess if we were to propose but not where to call the the temple um yeah we didn't, didn't tell our families or anything we we dated we met in probably january or february and we got married in um, in august so dating wasn't, you know, it wasn't that fast, right? Compared to some stories, but we had a date set pretty fast. Um, yeah, so we got, we got married in August of 2010. Uh, we lived in Cache Valley for a couple of years, and then we moved to North Ogden, where I'm still at now. Uh, my wife, is a, she's a registered nurse. She's always worked as, as a nurse, mostly just part-time. Um, but for a while, she was my sugar mama. When I was going to school, she got her, her associates before I was done. So that was nice. She... Um, she's worked at a few hospitals and ERs and uh, and likes doing that. So that that's good. I think that's her her sanity break. Nice. I ended up transferring to Weber State and got my degree in construction management. Now that's really what my whole career, even through high school, has been centered around is construction. It's been a really been a good career. I was always told in high school, whatever you do, you don't want to be a, a construction worker, right? Like. Um, you, you don't want to do that. Like they're, they're low paid and you have to work hard and they're, you know, they're unskilled, but it's been a, it's been a really enjoyable career for me. So uh, most of my experience has been with heavy civil building roads and highways and water lines and sewer. But recently I've moved to doing utility solar scale farms. So like if you drive to Disneyland and see those like huge, you know, thousand acres of solar panels. Yeah. That's what we're building now. So it, it's been a great career. I've been really blessed with that. Are you doing that in Utah then? Yeah. All, all over the place. Yeah. I'm lucky. I kind of get a focus just in Utah. So there's one just outside of Nephi that we just finished. Um, there's one wow. kind of by Cedar City. For the Lake Powell lovers, uh, there will be one there popping up here shortly. So right now we've been able to kind of stick in Utah, which is which is nice. Hmm. Interesting. Cool. 
And then I teach up at Weber State in the evenings as well. I'm an adjunct instructor up there. That tells you how desperate they are for uh, for someone to go teach construction management classes. That they'll let me go up and uh, teach. And then uh, we have five kids. Our first three were boys. Our last two were girls. So we have a spread from 11 to 11 years old to 11 months. Um, oh my gosh. I'll spread out pretty even. It's fun. I don't know. I don't know how it happened. Whenever I, you know, call my mission buddies, it's been like ten years since I've talked to them. They're like, dude, how do you have five kids? And I, I don't know what happened. And I don't know. Bless my wife's heart. She does all the work. I just, I just show up for moral support. But <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. So with that, I can probably jump to the MTC. Any anything I missed there? I'm just curious to know where, um, a time frame wise, when did you enter the MTC? Um, just before Thanksgiving in 2007. Okay. Nice. I think it was, I'm, my journal dates aren't great. I think it was like the November 15th or November 20th. We, we were in the MTC for Thanksgiving. Okay. Nice. And then you serve November 07 to November 09, right? Yes. Okay. Nice. Yeah. All right. We'll just, by, by all means, you can hop right into the MTC or wherever you want to start. Cool. Um, I'll kind of fly through the MTC. My companion was Elder Kyle Rose from New Hampshire. He served in one of the England missions. I, I forget which one. Something kind of cool with that. He had a, a twin brother who was called to serve in Scotland. So uh, they were in the MTC at the same time. Um, twin brothers. One went to England, one went to Scotland. Hmm. Uh, that, that was pretty cool. We had a, a decent sized group. I, I think we had probably close to 20 people. Um, I'd say wow. you know, 12 or 13 were Americans. And then we had a few Germans and I'm sure I'm forgetting some other nationalities, but we, it seemed like that was kind of a bigger sized group from what president Sorensen has said. Hmm. I remember we hiked to Darwin's tower. I had to go Google like where that was. It's just kind of a cool, um, hour in the countryside but you know they're like sheep on the way and we're like oh this is so cool like rolling green countryside and sheep like it's <laughs> just so british um so that was cool i don't think we played much sports on p-day some of the other missionaries you know i've had a lot of stories about playing sports and i don't i don't know if it was i know it rained a whole bunch when we were in the mtc so i don't know if the fields were too wet but i don't really remember like doing basketball or soccer or anything like that it was we've we've been told they shortened the time in the MTC overall, and then they cut out some of oh. the athletic time. So that may be it too. Maybe, maybe. I remember we walked into either Preston or Chorley. I forget what the little town center was. But I remember walking into that a couple times. Um, I discovered my loves of, of crumpets and Nutella, and I don't know why, but I love diluted juice. Which, like in hindsight, that was the most disgusting drink. <laughs> um, and even like it was a dandelion burdock. It was some oh, carbonated yeah. soda that was just it was just disgusting. But for some reason, I don't know, I really liked that. I was I was one of the fat kids that would like sneak down to the cafeteria at night, you know, and see how many like crumpets and honey and Nutella we could could pound down before the cook came and kicked us out. Um, it wasn't just the fat kids, Drew, I promise you. Okay. <clears throat> it was it was most of us. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say that was the only good thing about the MTC because that sounds really bad. And, and I enjoyed my MTC experience. I really did. But uh, the crumpets just, they have a special place in my heart. Even to this day, I'll, I'll do anything for, for a good crumpet, I think. Nice. Uh, and then we did spend Thanksgiving in, in the MTC. The, the staff was nice and cooked us up a, a Thanksgiving dinner. And, and it was pretty good. We had turkey and stuffing and wow. 
kind of surprises with that. We weren't really expecting a, a Thanksgiving dinner, but they they took good care of us. That's cool. Uh, yeah, and then from there, uh, we took the train from from Preston or Chorley up to Edinburgh. Um, really, the only thing I remember on that that train ride, we had a really grumpy uh, railway employee that, like, because we all got on, he came to us and he was like, "Hey, when, when that train stops in Edinburgh, like, you have ninety seconds to get." all of your bags off of this train. Like if they're not off, like the doors are going to shut and you're going to get left. So, you know, we're just like panicking. We had, like a whole entire car full of all of our luggage. Um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll touch on some of that later, but yeah, we, we were all like petrified. So uh, we got off in time and I don't really remember. Everyone's talked about getting like grilled by the APs. Um, I remember they were like intense, you know, and uh, they let you know pretty, pretty quick that, uh, they were in charge and you were new and green and you, you would listen to them. But I don't really remember, you know, the suitcase search or getting grilled, you know, if you had a girlfriend or not, and like going through the pictures. Um, <laughs> I didn't really remember that. I, I think it was Elder Stringfellow and Elder Colford that were APs at the time. I, I think that's right. Someone may have to correct me on that. Um, did the awesome hike up to Pratt's Hill. I think that was, you know, that was all a pretty cool moment for all of us to, go up there and, and dedicate ourselves and that was neat i remember it was it was wet wet rainy couldn't see much super windy but that was a cool experience to kind of go off on your own and dedicate yourself for the next two years um Great. yeah we went back and got assigned to our companions um i got assigned with other chad bockham which wonderful podcast you know if i could give a gold star um, for some of the better podcasts, Chad Bakken would, would get it. I was hoping he had some more memories of us in Alloa, though. We were only together for uh, for six weeks, so uh, his his memories are kind of similar to mine. We just didn't have a whole lot of time together. Um, but I do remember we got to the Sterling train station, and um, it was dark. It was probably, I don't know, 4 or 5 p.m., so we had to get all of our luggage off from the train station. And you, you, if anyone's been in Alloa or that Sterling train station, you walk up kind of that cobblestone road for not that far, maybe two or 300 yards. And there's a, there's a bus stop. Um, we jumped on the bus stop, got on the motorway, just kind of past um, the Wallace Monument, not too far. And the bus broke down. I think there was actually like smoke coming into the cab. Um, oh my gosh. So they kicked us all off the bus and, and it's like, like a Scottish downpour, right? Like, can't be anything so other box was like yeah grab your stuff and like uh he's like we'll just start walking and figure something out like and have no idea where we are oh, right man now. <laughs> yeah so this mercedes blows past us and and dives off onto the shoulder and like hits the hazards and someone jumps out and it's um it was bishop mcclelland who was the bishop of the ward at the time and i was like oh awesome we're saved and uh he's like oh well there's like I, oh, I wish i could give you a ride but i you know, it's a nice Mercedes. It's brand new. My leather's nice. Like you're sopping wet. He's like, if I had some garbage bags, you could like sit in the garbage bags and sit in my car. But uh, like, sorry. And, and he left it. Like, he did. No way. And my mom, I love her to death. She was so convinced that Scotland was a third world country. I had so much crap. I mean, like. <laughs> Hill. I remember Elder Bacham's eyes when I got off that train. I was like, what did you bring with you? So anyways, eventually we got all of the Sterling elders who had a car. Um, they came and picked us up. But at that point, we were just we were just drenched. Um, 
<laughs> so they took us home to our to our flat an hour really fast. Um, that has to be one of the worst flats I think that I lived in. You're like right across from the Primrose Bar. I think you're above another bar. Uh, oh my gosh! Just yeah. and it wasn't that nice of an apartment. I think I think one of the missionaries before me they'd been horse hunting. He like put a hole through the drywall. Uh, the, and of course, like nobody thought to fix that. Like, why would we call and fix the hole that someone put through the wall? Like, we'll just leave it. Uh, <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. yeah. So that first night, um, we went out and we went and gave gave a, a sister a blessing. This was so embarrassing. But Elder Bachum was like, "Hey, like, you know, it's Elder Allen's first day. Like, we'll, we'll have you give the blessings." I'm like, "Oh, great." Um, I remember the sister's name was <laughs> was Margaret Payton. But when I gave her her blessing, I addressed her as Peyton Manning. <laughs> and I have no idea uh, where that came from. So other Bachman had to be like, I'm out. Like, this Peyton Manning. This is Margaret Peyton. And I just remember thinking like, oh, my gosh. Other Bachman was just like, he's just like, I have all this luggage. You know, I'm uh, way overpacked. Uh, I think I took forever to get dressed because I was like, I'm like, I'm going to dry off before we go back out. You know, other Bachman was like. Let's go anyway. So that, that was awkward. Um, <laughs> that tells you a lot about your personality and how you remember things like word association. That, that's pretty good. That's yeah. hilarious. That it kind of reminds me, uh, this is digressive, but it reminds me of the office, right? When Michael Scott goes to like how he remembers people's names, like something similar, right? Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so yeah, so that was awkward. Uh, I did not give Peyton Manning a blessing while on my mission, but I, uh, I tried. Um, for and in behalf of. Yeah, yeah, for reals. Um, Goodness. First Sunday there, um, they had just baptized Sue I think Chad talked about her a little bit on his on his podcast. So I, I got to confirm her the first Sunday I was there. So that was really cool. Um, that was actually the first time that I had met um, Sue. I, th- I think they were out of town for that week or something. Um, so like that was literally like the first time I met her. I remember they showed up like a minute or two before sacrament meeting started. And uh, we got them situated to sit by some members. I'm like, that was it. Uh, and, and that was a good experience. Something that Elder Bakken was phenomenal at was like getting in a position where the spirit was there and then kindly forcing me to, I shouldn't say forcing, putting me in a spot that like I had, I had to step in and let the spirit lead. Right. And like confirming Stu Wood was a perfect example of that. So that, that was really cool. Um, it is cool. What wasn't cool though, and Elder Bakken touched on this too, was like, once again, he'd get the spirit there and just put me in like tough position. So her son, we were teaching Joe Wood. Um, he'd, he'd been taught for a little while. And that's when Chad was like, okay, you're going to go teach uh, Joe the law of chastity. Oh, okay. Like I can, I can do that. So when companionship said, we go through like our lesson plan, you know, so I have my, my, my index card that like, you know, covers high level law of chastity. You know, we're not going to have sexual relations with people that aren't our, aren't our husband or our wife. And you know, those things are safe for marriage. And Chad's like, that's not specific enough. Like, what do you mean, the Bach? I'm like, that's the specific. It gets you like, well, what about pornography? Like, are you going to teach him about that? Well, I guess. Like, what exactly do you want me to say? And like, super detailed, you know? He's like, well, he has a girlfriend. So you need to, like, you need to specify their things that, um, short of having sex, violate the law of chastity. Like, if so, like, you need to teach that to him. And I was like, okay. So, like, all of a sudden, my three by five index card is just covered, like, front to back, you know? And, and he was, uh, he was intimidating. Joe Woodward, he was covered in tattoos, like, pretty good beard, um, you know, muscular guy. But, 
it was, it was just a good example of the Bauckham set, right? Like we don't head behind generalities. Um, we teach complete and full doctrine and, and, and it was good. Uh, Joe ended up getting baptized. So that was cool. But I just remembered how, uh, like just how awkward and intense it was. Um, yeah, it, it was good though. It was good. Yeah. Um, I, gotta, I don't think you did that to me as a greenie. There's no way. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe if we'd had anybody progress that far. <laughs> That's fair. Right? That's fair. Yeah. yeah, it was a good experience. Um, another fun memory was our ward mission leader. His name was Derek Campbell. Quiet, kind of soft-spoken guy. We'd meet every week and go over our progress record. Um, and at this time, you know, member missionary work was really pushing off. We were really um, trying to find people from the members to teach. And um we had taught him a lesson and asked him for referrals. And he was like, oh, there's like been in the church my whole life, been an owl my whole life, been a missionary my whole life. Like if I had somebody prepared to teach, you know, I would tell you. And and somehow his granddaughter was there. And I can't remember. I don't, I don't think they lived with him, but, but she was like nine or 10. And we asked him like, well, what about your granddaughter? Like, does, does she want to be taught the lessons? And he was like, well, I don't know. I've, I've never asked her. And so like we committed him pretty direct, like, well, you know, will you invite her to take the lessons for at our next meeting? And he's like, yeah, I'll try. And anyways, we came back and, uh, and taught her and she ended up getting baptized. So that was cool. They get to teach her in Derek Campbell's home. Um, and, you know, brother and sister Campbell there for the lessons. They really taught most of them. And, and we were just kind of there. Um, so that, that was fun. And uh, there's been a lot of talk on member missionary work and the difference in that knocking doors and, that really set the the tone pretty early for me was whether the member directly knows somebody or if you're blessed indirectly, like there were, there were blessings and miracles that we saw um, from doing member missionary work. So that was really cool. Um, so yeah, those first six weeks just seemed like they were a constant barrage of, uh, between teaching to baptizing, to confirming, to working with recent converts, to less actives, uh, working with the members. Uh, it was really the ideal first six weeks of the mission. And a lot of that goes to Elder Bauckham, like just, just a stud, uh, very well-rounded. He still is that way. Uh, had a fun meeting with him at the last mission reunion and uh, talking to him, remembering some of these, these fun memories. Now, Elder Bauckham swore that the chip shop in Alawa was the best chip shop. Is that true? So I have a note for that somewhere. Um, yeah, a little bit upset that Chad Bauckham claimed Alawa has the best chippy in Scotland. I don't ever remember him buying me a fish shepherd. Shame on him. That's that's verbatim on my nose. I don't uh, I I don't remember that. Um, but I did check his directions because he like walked through. I don't know what it's called, but like you walk past the flat, you turn left, you turn right, and it's right there on the corner. And there is there is a fish house right there. Um, I don't have any recollection of going there though. So a little bit, uh, a little bit upset about that. Um, That's the next time you go to Scotland, make sure he sends you some money. Yeah. Yeah. Chad, you're on the hook. You owe Drew a fish supper. And, and you know, Chad's organized enough. He'll probably have like a journal entry or a picture of us like in front of it, like with me holding, you know, an iron brew and a fish supper and he'll like rebuke me <laughs> and, I'll be, and I'll be wrong, um, but that's okay. Um, that's amazing. <laughs> So we've touched a lot on hammer time, right? And I don't want to touch a whole lot on that, but I thought Elder Bauckham had a, had a great balance of that. So I remember I showed up with um, all my music CDs and a lot of them were, uh, you know, classical or like, you know, Disney CDs or um, not, you know, by no means apostate. Yeah. And I remember he, he had me read 
good, better, best like that. I'd just been given at the conference before, I think in October. And he's like, I want you to read through that. And I want you to decide like, you know, what category do the CDs fall into? Um, and he didn't really push me or pressure me or correct me on it. But after reading that, like he kind of helped me through being like, yeah, if we're going to, uh, if we're going to do what's best, like we probably should listen to Motab and the brethren and like church music and like Mulan's great, but you're probably not going to feel the spirit, you know, with some of that. And so, and Chad was so good at that. Like he never, he never like unrighteously rebuked me. He was very good at doing it in a, in a loving way. And I think that's the way hammer time really was meant to be. And didn't always stay, didn't always stay that clean, but I was grateful for the way that he, uh, Kindly corrected me in a way I didn't feel like I was being corrected, but that was cool. Interesting. That's um, cool. spent my first first Christmas there. I remember, I was at, we were at Elder Care's house, and this may have been the week after or something, but it was when um, I think BYU played UCLA in like the Las Vegas Bowl. And I'm not a huge football fan. I just remember this because of how loud Elder Care was screaming. Um, but I think UCLA had a chance to kick like a 20 yard field goal to win as time expired, and, and BYU blocked it. So I just remember him like just screaming and like yelling and jumping up and down. Uh, I think the only other time I've heard him be louder is when he's when he's singing, you know, opening songs and sacrament meetings. But uh, that's true. I, I I agree. Yeah. Another thing, you know, what I had here, I was reading through my journal. What's the earliest you think it got dark when you were there in Scotland? I had to go do a sanity check on myself. What would like your guess be? I mean, it depends on what part of the country you were in, but like, yeah. you know, Alawa, um, I'm trying to think. I, I mean, winter time, I was in, <laughs> I was in the Isle of Orkney and I was in Montrose. Oh. So Montrose, it was probably about four thirty, five o'clock ish. I think is kind of timeline wise. Yeah. So you have to go check. So it said, it said the Alawa thing that I looked up on the, uh, the sunrise and sunset chart, sunset at three forty PM. And that was for like the shortest day of the year. That was less than seven hours of sunlight. So I remember that for like being in my first year, right? Like just dark gray and like doesn't get light till late. Like it's dark so soon. Like, yeah. Interesting. Kind of, kind of depressing. But you may have had better technology to figure that stuff out. We're, we're kind of dinosaurs compared to you, Drew. Oh, I doubt that. <laughs> I doubt that. Um, I remember attending President Hinckley's funeral in the Alloa Chapel. That was when he passed away. Um, being there when they had the Piper play, Oh Danny boy, like that was pretty cool. Um, that, you know, that really touched the heartstrings to be there and hear, hear the pipes playing. Um, That's right. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was cool. So yeah, I was only with Elder Blockham for six weeks. Um, and then he transferred out and Elder Anthony Paternoster um, transferred and he was from Essex, England. Um, he even just come from being his own leader and I forget which, which zone. Um, this was my first exposure to a British companion. Um, we love the Brits, but maybe they're kind of quirky, right? Like, remember other power doctor chef and these like tight fitted gloves and like a, his like gloves color coordinated his scarf and, um, you know, the, the cool like pointy shoes. And we got along really well, but um, I just remember being like, who is this game? It was so meticulous with everything, which, which I could do better at. Um, he introduced me to, a prawn sandwich which was just disgusting he go get he like count out how many shrimp he had um and he started skinny and had a jawline his whole mission and this is probably why right or like he'd go get a fish stick sandwich and like meticulously like lay out his fish sticks and um it was yeah it was just it was just a little bit different um it's amazing 
we were, we were able to find and baptize a sister. I, I think she fancied other pattern officer more than anything. He was, he was very charming. Um, but yeah, I think, I think she, I think she had a little bit of a crush for him. Uh, one of my favorite sayings that I still say this from other pattern officers, I always say, uh, it's not a it's not a competition out there, but if it was, you'd be losing. Um, I always thought that was, it's funny. I think, I think Elder Coon talked, or no, it was Elder Day. He talked a little bit about my book of death. Um, Elder pattern officer was just disgusted by it, right? Like, I didn't know. Like, I grew up hunting my whole life. Um, you know, I still hang dead animals in my office. Um, and Elder pattern officer was just disgusted. I had one picture when I'd been swan hunting, and I'm, you know, I'm holding a swan, and, you know, I get this, like, speech that this is the queen's bird, and, like, you know, how unholy it is to shoot a swan. Uh, he was he was not impressed by the book of death, um, which that's okay. Um, so yeah, I was only with him for six more weeks, and then I transferred out to Dundee Lift Road. Um, I was there with John Coon, um, who you've also interviewed. He did a great job. Really enjoyed time with other Coons. So I think at that point I'd been out, I think eighteen weeks, and he'd been out either like six or twelve weeks. So we were both like we were both green. Um, we we were. Young and hungry, though, um, I remember it was either the train station or a flat. Elder McCullers and Elder Waite were the zone leaders, and they showed up. And I don't know what they hammered us for. Maybe just that we were new, and they just wanted to, like, let us know how, you know, how new we were. But they just hammered us. Like, you know, we didn't have anybody in our teaching pool. I don't think no one was progressing. And they were like, you know, by the end of the day, like, you better find a family to bring to church on Sunday. And and this, you know, this is the end of the day on a P day. Another coon and I are just like, oh my gosh, like how are we going to make this happen? Um, but we were blessed, and we did. We found a couple named Simon and Grace. Um, and they had a, had a had a little baby, like, like maybe a month or two, like just a little baby. And anyways, we invited them to come to church, uh, and they came, and and that was a, a cool faith ex- faith building experience for for other coon and me. Um, and and that kind of sums up like how all of Dundee Lift Road was with with. Uh, other coon was just like nothing short of miracles and just being blessed and like a, a very generous and loving God because we could have been like humble and then we still were humbled right like you still go through those days that are just terrible but um that was really cool they called us gave us a commitment one day we needed to find like five new investigators by the end this is when you like, get a phone call from yours only there like every hour right with a new assignment or a report on a different assignment and the assignment was you have to find like five new investigators by the end of the day. And I think we had like three or four. And so we were actually driving back to our flat in the car. And the other coon was driving around us, but like we pulled over and like jumped out of the car to talk to this guy because it was almost the end of the day. The streets were kind of empty. And uh, he was like, yeah, like you can come back, whatever. Like uh, here, here's my address. Come back another day. Uh, so we did. And, then, and that's when we chapped into um, Irene Finley. Which that was the cool picture that has all the cigarettes, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we and I won't talk too much on that because other coon did, but a couple things that um, I was going to touch on. Let's see. So I think she'd recently just had a death of a close friend or a family because for the first lesson we taught her the plan of salvation, and that was that was not normal. Like usually we would always teach the restoration. It was pretty rare we didn't teach the plan of salvation, um, but we taught that for our first lesson. Um, so that was kind of cool. Um, so she went to Spain to buy all the cigarettes, remember, to avoid paying taxes on them. That's what it was, was, um, and I mean, and I, I, can't, I, I did the math, but I forgot to write that down on like how many boxes there were. I think there was like 30 cases and there's 
well, like 10 boxes a case or something. So I don't know what that equates to. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, we, we committed her to live the word of wisdom. She said she would. So we did the 12th step, like addiction recovery program. We, we brought her the grapefruit juice and the, the cinnamon toothpaste. Um, don't have a, like, we don't have a clue what we're doing, right? We've never taught this before. Um, but it was cool. She, I think she went three weeks straight without, without smoking or drinking at all. Um, and got baptized. One funny story that, um, I don't know if other coons said, so we confiscated all those cigarettes and I think, um, Dennis Campbell had been with us on that joint teach. And so he asked us at the end, he's like, well, what are you going to do with all those cigarettes elders? And we're like, well, we're going to go throw them away or something. And I think he, he worked at a, he was either a care home for people that were like in a psychiatric ward, or maybe they had like Alzheimer's or schizophrenia. And a lot of those like to smoke. So they would give him like two or three cigarettes a day. So he was like, I want all those cigarettes. Another kid and I were just like, like, this is weird, right? Like the high priest group leader wants all of our cigarettes. And so other kid and I went through this thing, like, is the sin on our head if we give him these cigarettes? Like, you know, recontributing to someone else breaking the commandments. Um, we ended up giving him the cigarettes and I don't know what he did with them, but uh, I think we were, we were probably overly clear with him. Like, Hey, if this gets into the wrong hand, like we're washing our hands of it and uh, you have to account for it. Not us, but, uh, that, that was <laughs> um, that was a fun district. We had we had sisters in there. We had sister Andrea Holmquist and sister Lauren Knowles. That just kind of added to the awkwardness of being a young companionship. So I was district leader at the time. Um, I guess kind of awkward enough to be around the sisters, right? And then you throw in like it's hammer time, but you can't hammer time sisters, but you're getting hammered by the zone leaders and. Um, bless both of their hearts i'm sure they have some horror stories that i forgot about about having to deal with us um elder and sister man wearing were in that district and they'd be awesome to get on the podcast they're from pocatello idaho we've we've sent them the link uh they know about it so i can give you their contact info but um yeah they, they were fantastic they were up in montrose so you'd probably appreciate getting to talk to them that would be nice I remember they'd, they'd make us breakfast after district meetings and invite us over for dinner occasionally. Um, they, they were great. Um, the bishop and ward missionary, the member, they were not overly friendly. And I, I don't know the background. There wasn't any like 6 a.m. baptizing behind the bishop's backstory that, I, that I'm aware of. They, they just took a while to, to gain their trust. And earn it from them, I remember... In fact, I think it may have actually been Irene. Like we were trying to baptize her and like they were, the ward council was like very opposed to us baptizing her just because of like the fact that she'd smoked. And, and that was kind of an eye opener, right? My first interaction with, with Bishop um, McClellan was, wasn't, wasn't the best. Um, and then kind of get into this ward and it's like, like we're finding excuses to not baptize people. And uh, anyway, I just remember that was kind of an eye opener. Luckily, I think Elder Kuhn and I kind of had, um, I, don't know, I, I guess you could say a, a people pleasing personality. Like we didn't want to go cause contention and, um, and, and stir, stir things up. So we didn't, and it, it took a while to build those relations, but they got there. Like that was a fantastic word, right? Between the Keos and the Topins and all of the Campbells, uh, the Roy's Blair Mitchell, Duncan Tasker was in that word at the time. Like just, just a lot of great members, just even that was really for a pretty short time that I was there. Uh, one funny story I wish other Kuhn would have told. Um, we were driving through one of those pedestrian only zones. Well, we weren't supposed to be driving through a pedestrian only zone, but we were. And another Kuhn was driving. 
um, so this great big officer like steps in front of the car and stops him. Uh, and he was of an African-American descent. So he comes up to the window and like knocks on the door and other coon rolls the window down. He's, he's like, what are, what are you doing? And other coon kind of stumbles. And he's like, well, he's like, well, what's your name? And uh, other coon's like, uh, coon. And the, the officer's like, excuse me. And he's, he's like, that, that's my name. My name's coon. And uh, the officer is just like way offended. He's like, He's like, you're telling me that's your name? And he's like, uh, well, yeah, John Coon. So anyways, he's like, well, give me your driver's license. And other Coon's like, I, I don't have one because he didn't have his British driver's license yet. It just kept going from like bad to worse. Oh, man. Like everything that officer asked, um, other Coon just made it like more and more awkward. And uh, <laughs> I think the cop told us like, you know, get out of the pedestrian free zone and don't do dumb things and let us go. Um, that was funny. <laughs> so yeah, we served. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say there's probably a good reason why John forgot that story. <laughs> yeah, it sounds pretty yeah. traumatic. <laughs> a little mortified. Yeah, I wanted to remind him of it. It was, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we served together for two transfer transfers. Then I transferred to Dundee. Being I was one of those that like like every moves I transferred. I must have just drove people nuts. Um, so other coon was only one of three companions that I had for more than six weeks. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed my time with him. So then I went to Dundee Bingham Ward, and I was there with Elder Andy Harper. He'd be another great one to to have on. Um, he's from Idaho, but he lives up in Alaska right now. Um, same thing, pretty young companionship. I think Elder Harper had been out for for twelve weeks or so. Um, we didn't have a car for most of our transfers. Um, I don't think anybody else has felt like this, but like Bingham Ward was the was one of the best member supported wards it was so hard to find people to, to teach in that ward um we just got our butts kicked with trying to find and teach people um i remember we found one one guy's name was mr scrimger we we knocked into him he didn't have any furniture like his electric was never on because he would spend all of his money on like that cheap white lightning stuff that you know he'd walk in and just like make you dry heave um <laughs> But he let us in. He let us teach him. So I told other, uh, I told other Harper, I was like, "Okay, I got this." Like Irene Finley, she quit smoking. She gave us all of our cigarettes. Like she quit no problems. Like we just did this addiction recovery program. Um, so we did. And he came to church maybe like the second or third after he'd been sober, and he started having like many seizures in church because he was having like alcohol withdrawals. He was like, like drooling out of his mouth. I'm like, you know, I shouldn't laugh. I'm like partly throwing up. And like, it was legit because he was like having withdrawals from all of his alcohol. Um, My goodness. Wow. And like, that was a wake up call, right? You don't, you're not exposed to that. Um, at least I wasn't exposed to that in Utah. Like, you know, you hear some of like recreational drinking, but like, you know, to see the, the chains of addiction that bad was just, it was just sad. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, that was also the first area that we had investigators uh, shoot up in front of us. Uh, it was just like every, everyone we found was on drugs. Like, and we weren't just focusing on one area. Like we would, you know, we would go to all different parts of our area. And it was like everybody we found was, was either on drugs or would, you know, come to church and have a seizure because they needed a drink. Um, Goodness. Yeah. Um, Elder Harper was kind. I started referring to Dundee as scumdy at that time, just because it was like so tough. And he was like Elder, like, you can't call it scumby and expect the spirit to, you know, lead us or guide us to people. And he, and he was right. Um, Dundee was just tough. I remember Elder Harper had his driving test at this point. So I, I was driving him there and I didn't see it, but I guess there was like a manhole lid 
in the roundabout, like, like flipped upside down and I hit it and blew out like our back tire. And we're like two minutes before his appointment. Um, so we pulled over in some like Asda parking lot and changed that tire in like no time. We didn't know if they let us take the test on a donut tire or not, um, but they did. Um, sadly, Elder Harper did not pass. Um, <laughs> being a ward was just, it was just tough. Um, I remember, this is kind of in front of our flat. We stopped a guy and he asked me, he said, do you know how to box? And I was like, well, not why. And he's like, well, because if you don't leave in five seconds, I'm going to punch your teeth out. Like, it was like every conversation with someone was either like a threat of violence or of drugs. Um, really looked forward to going to Brody Ferry and Cooper uh, with the others on exchanges. Um, once again, the ward support was phenomenal. All, all the Snee family, uh, the Mays, the Gellatlees. Uh, Maureen Smith, the Campbells, McPhee, like there, there's a long list here of people like the, the member support was great. You always had dinner appointments. Um, you always felt welcome at church. It was just, it was so hard to, to find and teach people in that area. Um, hmm. I would argue with Elder Bauckham, I would say that the best fish, um, fish and chip shop I found was at Ann Strutter Fish Bar, which was conveniently uh, in the zone. So we I remember we'd go to St. Andrews. Did you guys ever go to St. Andrews and play the miniature golf course like the Himalayas? No, I never played that. No, it's cool. So it's like right at the clubhouse, and you pay like I don't know five or six quid, and you can go out and and, and it's cool. Like it's like it's crazy greens, and they call it the Himalayas because it's like you know huge rolling hills. And uh, we went and played that a, a few times, and that was fun. Um, yeah, didn't really teach anybody that progressed real great. Um, didn't really have a whole lot of faith building ex experiences um Bingham was tough so after six weeks i transferred to edinburgh meadows and i've been there with or i moved there with elder jordan sperry he's also from utah and same thing i think he'd been out for i don't know 12 weeks or three months or something like that um and, and this was a this was kind of weird so i came into that area and they'd had they had a few investigators scheduled for baptism and I think this was at the time they kind of changed the rule that you could only teach investigators that were in your area because there was like nine companionships or some crazy number in the Edinburgh Award. And it was just kind of like a free for all. And uh, anyway, so a missionary was going home when they made this change. And I think his parents kind of picked him up. So he went and told like their whole teaching pool. It was only to trying to poach you just for the numbers. Um, drop them. Like they don't really care about you. It was, it was kind of a weird deal so anyway so I, I walked in there and that happened like the day i got there so we went from that area having you know a few people confirmed for baptism scheduled for baptism to like no one it's like oh great oh, um, and yeah that that was a hard area too this in hindsight like in hindsight maybe your mind's more clear right so same thing we'd get on a bus and ride like 45 minutes so we lived up in um up in brunsville right by the meadows really nice area but then our zone or our area was like clear down Leith Road and like down towards like Nidri and Musselboro and kind of that area. So we'd be like a 45, you know, 50 minute bus ride into our area. Um, I don't know why we didn't think to just call the office. I was like, Hey, we're wasting, you know, two, three hours a day on a bus. Like, could we swap apartments with someone who's like right next to our area, which there was, but for, I, we didn't think through that at all. And I don't, I don't understand why, but yeah, we, uh, we spent a lot of time on, on buses. Um, Really not a whole lot exciting with, with Elder Sperry. We didn't teach a whole lot. Um, 
it was kind of tough. I don't even know where Elder Sperry spent the rest of his mission. He needs to come back home. We were together for six weeks, and then he transferred out. Um, and I stayed, and that's when I trained Elder Craig Day, who you just had on the podcast. Uh, his was his was hilarious. I still can't see his face without thinking of Mr. Bean. He just he reminds me of Mr. Bean so much. Um, but I loved Elder Day. Um, also very British. Um, it's funny when he was like, all he did was talk about like George Bush and his book of death or something. And like, all I remember about Elder Day was talking about like how great it is to be ruled by a royal family or something. So there, there was some fun banter um, <laughs> back and forth there. Um, I remember the like the pressure to train somebody, right? I mean, President Frederick would always say like one of the one of the biggest responsibilities is, is training. And if you screw up a missionary's first six weeks, like shame on you you know the expectation was you'd find and teach and baptize like set a very high bar kind of what other bakum had done uh i totally slaughtered that the kind of like other day said um i don't know we found that one investigator um maggie she'd been taught in england for for years and years moved to edinburgh um she had, she had some drinking issues but we taught her for i want to say four or five weeks and like um, she had kept the word of wisdom and it wasn't just like one or two days. She kept it like, let's go baptize her. You know, she, she kept it for multiple weeks and um, uh, we scheduled her for baptism. She got baptized. Uh, she was one that did not show up for her confirmation. And I forget who the Bishop was, but man, the Bishop just ripped into me on, I, I felt really bad on, on that Sunday. And, and rightfully so, like, I understand what he's saying. He's like, now I've got to go you know, try and finish this confirmation because now she's showing up. And anyways, that, uh, that was bad. And she, she just kind of dropped off the face of the earth. Um, lost contact with us, wouldn't answer her door. Don't really know where she went. I hope, hope at some point she, <laughs> she comes and finishes. So the only thing worse than one investigator getting baptized and not confirmed is two. And that's where, uh, Stephen Beveridge comes into play and another day talked on him quite a bit. Um, this was probably one of those that, um, you know, we were we were finding reasons to baptize people, and this was we got into something to go through our area book and see who'd been to church three or four times before, and um, get them to church on Sunday and baptize them before the end of the moves. Um, and we went and taught Stephen; he'd been to church, he'd been taught quite a bit. Um, committed him to baptism. He's, you know, he said he would. So I think he came to church two or three times with us. Um, this was the one that we had to fill the font with a garden hose from the mission home because the font was broke. Uh, yeah, everything wow. about everything about baptisms in uh, in the meadows was was just was just tough. Um, so yeah, he he got baptized uh, slash boiled alive. That water was so hot, but um, and he also did not show up for his confirmation. But this one was weird. And the other day, I think talked on this, but. We show up and he has like, it's like a, it's like sheet metal. He has like five eighths inch, like sheet metal, like over his whole entire door. They'd gone and like, I, I guess evicted him and put up like this metal on the door. So you couldn't knock on the door. Like you couldn't even access the, like the flat that he lived in. So that was bizarre. Um, yeah, not, not good. And that was also the same time we were teaching Keith Hutt, which uh, he talked about. He came to church four or five times, committed him for baptism he said yes. Uh, then he never showed up to his baptism. We had the font filled members there. Um, I'm sure that bishop just hated my guts. Uh, Goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I can I can see why I did not stay in Edinburgh for very long. Um, 
One one cool thing though, one of the so our area was kind of weird. I talked on that, but we'd only we only had like two or three members in our area, and they were all older senior sisters. So one of the sisters we stopped by, and I, I think she had a full time job, but her adult son was there and lived with her, which we didn't know about. Um, so he invited us in, and we started teaching him the lessons, and he was there like all day, every day. So we we'd probably teach him, I'd say five or six times a week. Um, and same thing. He started out with a big gnarly beard, kind of like Keith Hutt did. Um, shaved his beard, like started dressing nicer for our lessons. Um, he loved to smoke cannabis, but he told us he'd like cut it. He'd cut it back pretty substantially, and I don't think it was a whole lot of of pressure from us to do so. Um, then they had the weirdest thing though. We were in our our word missionary meeting, and the uh, the word mission leader was like, "Yeah, his mom's requested that you don't teach him. You don't invite him to be baptized." We were like, what in the world? Like, we finally found like somebody good to teach that was like progressing and keeping appointments and like member work. And uh, we got told to not teach him anymore. So that was that was kind of odd. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. that, was a, that was a fun district, though. The Korsdorf and elders were in there. So um, Elder Aaron Hemer, he's from Germany. I've totally lost contact with him. That would be be fun to to hear from him. Um, the Leith elders, Elder Sam Webb. He was from England, and then other Kellen Whetstone. He'd be fun to have. And then I think there were three senior sisters in that district as well. I think they were doing like indexing names or something. I forget exactly what they were were doing. Um, yeah, fun being on that many missionaries though, and getting to go to you know play soccer with that many people or go to castles. Um, Edinburgh was tough though. That was a tough area for me. So after after 12 weeks, um, I transferred out of Inverness. I mean, I'm sorry. I transferred out of the Meadows and went to, to Inverness. Um, did not did not leave a great impression on Elder Day, I don't think. So I'm glad to hear that he survived the rest of his mission um, and that it wasn't like his first six weeks was because that was, uh, yeah, that, that was a tough, that was a tough area. Um, went to Inverness. That was great. Served with Elder Brandon Wayne. He was from Missouri. Um, he and I shared some sacred and holy inner redneck, which was nice. He loved to hunt and fish and uh, and do all things redneck. So that was fun. I remember we went fishing um, up at, up near Strathpeffer on some like private stock lake or something. Um, and it was expensive. Like the guy, I think the guy just totally took advantage of us. He made us like rent a pole, rent bait, like pay a you know a trophy fee to fish a pond like we didn't see another person or another fish he probably just sent us to some like empty farm pond and just took our money and uh, and laughed at us but <laughs> I, I loved Inverness it was fun to just kind of be you know coming from Edinburgh with that many missionaries and being on that many people all the time it was fun to just like just be us um, and just kind of focus on teaching and not have to worry about long bus ride to get in your area and, and some of that um that branch was small right maybe 20 people or so on a sunday so we got you know a lot of those members um really good had some had some fun experiences with them we we did find an awesome investigator his name was liam mcgrady well, we, we just chapped into him i think we were we were visiting members and knocking either side or we, we may have stopped him on the street to or from a member's appointment um he was living with his girlfriend in inverness at the time but after a few weeks of teaching him they conveniently uh, split up <laughs> and so he moved back in with his parents um, who lived close by and so that that worked out uh, well for us probably not so much for him but he lived in a, his family lived in a really cool farm it was it's near Ball Blair so you're actually across 
um, the Cromartie Firth from Invergordon. And like, I don't think we would have ever gone out there if we didn't have a reason, but, you know, to go teach him. Um, so we taught him out there a lot, kind of a cool, you know, little old farm bossy that they lived in. His stepdad was doing something about growing sweet potatoes. Um, he was really excited. He was, I think he thought that we like, had money or something because he kept hitting us up to like back his business. And, like he was going to, you know, break into the, the Scottish market with potatoes of all things. I'm like, man, that's like the worst business idea I've heard is like to try to find a way to get more potatoes to Scotland. But, uh, <laughs> but that was fun. Um, so yeah, he, uh, he ended up getting baptized. That was when we taught. He had, he had a, he had his own car, which was awesome. I haven't investigated. I had like transportation, right? We would just set up cottage evenings at like each member's home throughout the week and just teach one of the members home. So that was, uh, that was really fun. Uh, he ended up getting baptized. So that was, that was nice and, and confirmed. So it was nice to, to break that bad streak that had been on. Um, one really weird story. Did either of you serve in Inverness? Not serve, but definitely been there a few times. I'd like to know who is responsible for this. But so there was a garage next to the flat and it had a chest freezer in it. And someone had unplugged that chest freezer, but it was full of meat. Like, like all the way full. I, I have a video of it and it's disgusting. So I think it was Elder Wells and Elder Gardner. And they were those own leaders at the time. And Elder Wayne and I, um, we, we got it all put into a garbage can. And I don't know why. Well, I, I do know why. Um, at this time, they were really big on the mileage with the car, right? I think we had like 52 miles a day or something. I'm like, you could not exceed that. So we were like, well, we'll start riding our bikes and bank miles in the car so we can go <clears throat> go to more areas. And so I think when we were looking for bikes, we were like, why does it smell like something like dead and rotting in the garage? And that's what it was, was this chest freezer. And it was so disgusting. Um, like we opened the door and there was like maggots and, you know, flies. And it was, it was gross. Ugh. So whoever... Whoever did that and unplugged it, um, not cool. Uh, not cool. Yeah, so that, that was one thing that was kind of disappointing in Inverness. Is we, were, we were really held to that standard on our mileage. Um, we could go, I think we went to the Invergordon branch like every other week on a Sunday. Um, but that was really about as far as we went. We didn't really get to see a whole lot of the highlands, um, which that was a bummer. I wish we could have had a chance to go go see more members and experience some more of that countryside, but we didn't. Um, after six weeks, Elder Wayne transferred out and Elder Craig Needham came and served with me. He's another Brit. He was from, I think, Nottingham. Um, I think it was at this time, Inver Gordon Branch really started to push hard for missionaries and President Frederick lovingly told them like, well, if you want missionaries, find investigators for him to teach and they'll be there. Um, and the members did actually, they found, um, they found, I think it was one of the members actually, they waited for their kids to be like 10 or 11 year olds to get baptized. And they wanted them to, I guess they felt like eight was too early. So they waited till they were older. So they call us and said, Hey, our, um, our son's ready to be taught. You can come teach him, invite him to be baptized. Just treat him like an investigator. Uh, so we did. Um, he got taught and baptized, which was cool. And it, kind of the same thing as William. It was fun. We would just like rotate through like members' homes to go teach them in. Um, so that was kind of fun to get to rotate through all those members and um, and and be you know spend time in their homes teaching them. Um, that was really it. And I don't have any cool stories in Inverness. Like, I I, lo <clears throat> I love that area. <laughs> Excuse me. I love that area. Um, Nothing bad to say about it, but it was kind of boring. We didn't have anything 
We don't have anything crazy. Sometimes That's not okay. having crazy is okay. <laughs> yeah, you just status yeah. quo is just fine. Yeah. Yeah, no. <clears throat> so yeah, Inverness was good. And then after that, I got transferred to Bridge of Dawn in Aberdeen. And I was there with the other Demita, also from England. I didn't realize how many British companions I had until I started going through all this. I, I got gypped. Like 50% of my companions, you know, were from were from the UK. Um, but I guess that's okay. Elder Demita was a professional chef back home, which was just phenomenal. So during, during like, we'd do district planning in the morning, maybe for half an hour. And he would do, like, a full proper English fry-up. Like, every, every morning he was doing, you know, like, you know, fried tomatoes and beans and, um, at this point I had found out that it was a lie. You couldn't eat black pudding. I was disappointed that I'd missed out on that for that long of my mission because, uh, <laughs> it was wonderful. And Elder Demita made a, just a delicious, uh, black pudding breakfast. Um, <clears throat> we taught a, a lot of students from Ghana in Nigeria. They were all there at the university studying like oil engineering or something. It's like we'd find like one person to teach and we'd teach them and like, okay, we're gonna come back tomorrow. Do you have any friends you can invite? And we'd show up and there'd be like 10 Nigerians <laughs> uh, in all these like little tiny apartments, you know, up on campus. Um, but it was fun. We we taught a lot of people. Um we baptized a few guys from from Nigeria and from Ghana. Um, and so that was cool. Kind of the same thing. We were able to teach them in a lot of a lot of people's homes. And I don't know why this sticks out, but I think I think at some point. Um, Ivan Williamson had reached out and said like, Hey, I, I maybe haven't been a, a huge proponent of missionary work because it's been too pushy, but like, I like to open my home up for a cottage evening. Can you invite some people over? And we did. And that just started being like a standing weekly thing. We'd go teach people in his home. And that, that was awesome. Um, Ivan and Danny and, and sister Williamson were all so good to open their home and to come teach whoever they want or whoever we wanted to in their home. Um, I've got a, I've got a picture. Remind me at the end. I'll, I've got a few pictures pulled up, and and we can look through some of those. Um, we spent Christmas this time in Aberdeen, and I think someone mentioned Liz Stamp. She's, I think she's originally from either Canada or the or the United States, but they were on vacation for Christmas, so they just like she just like opened up her house to us. She gave the keys to one of the missionaries, and she's like, "Oh yeah, like come use my oven, come use my stovetop, like come do whatever you want for Christmas." And I just remember thinking that was so weird, like. I would never do that to missionary. I'd never give them the keys to my house. Um, <laughs> but she would do anything for the missionaries. Um, and that was convenient with Elder Demita being a phenomenal cook. Uh, we ate really well. We invited some recent converts and some members over and um, had a had a fun Christmas. I can never think about Aberdeen without like the image of walking up Union Street with those Christmas lights burned into my mind. It's just funny. Some of the images that you keep. And that's that's definitely one from, from Bridge of Dawn. Um, another another really fun district there, right? Um, other Padraig Brophy, he'd be, be a good one to find. He's from Ireland. Um, he was in the the district. Other Robert Urey, Nate Hawks, Elder Lovell, I think he was just on. Um, Sister Ott, Sister Barry, Sister Roberts, Sister Chandler. I, I made a note here. Um, like poor Sister Ott, I think she was stuck with me for. I want to say like nine or 10 months straight. It was like wherever I would get moved to, like she would follow me. And I remember like one, one point we were calling to like give them their, their moves to call or something. And she was like, 
will you please stop fighting? She may not have even said, please. She was like, you need to go somewhere else. She's like, I, I am so sick of you. So I don't <laughs> think I've been here since I've been back, but uh, bless her heart. She had to put up with me like going all across Scotland. <laughs> She's probably burned out. Um, yeah. So after, after six weeks, the Lodomita, um, he got transferred out. Another Chase Crockett came in. I trained him. He's from Salt Lake. Um, he'd be a great one to, to get on. I don't know he's been listening. So here's your call out, Chase. You need to get on. Uh, right. He was also a chef, which was just fantastic. Going like back to back with with chefs. Um, still phenomenal for that. I couldn't get him to do like the proper British fry up every morning like Elder Domito would do. Um, I was a little bit disappointed in that. But all in all, his cooking skills were were phenomenal. Uh, we found a couple more Nigerians that we, we taught and baptized. Um, there was a member named um, Gary Osahon Igenbor. He was from, I think he was from Ghana, from, from Accra. And so he'd invite us over for dinner appointments. And the one time we showed up and he had like a, a pot full of like chicken feet. It was just like chicken feet. Chicken, there was like feathers in the soup, you know. And um, wow. it was, he was so happy to like cook us dinner. And it was so nice. And um, it, it was bad. I, there were probably like very few dinner moments I can say like it, it was bad, but that one was that one was tough. Um, we I was I was nervous with other Crockett right. My last training experience had been like nothing short of a dumpster fire, um, so I was really worried with other Crockett. I was like, boy, like if we have a repeat of, of any of the three uh, baptism debacles, like I'm going to get sent home or something. But um, we found a guy named William Skillen. We were able to teach him and and William was was weird. So the first like three or four weeks, he started out like solid. Um, come to church, keep all of his commitments, keep all of his appointments. And I I almost wonder if he was like bipolar, because we'd committed him to get baptized and like a week before his baptism or something. He just got weird. Like you couldn't carry like a normal conversation with him. Um I don't know. It was it was just weird. And so I remember like calling those only years and being like, look, it's kind of weird. Like we've taught him everything. He's committed, but like something's off. So anyways, they, they came and interviewed him and um, said, Hey, he interviewed fine. He, he has an understanding. So baptize him. Um, <laughs> so we did. And after he got confirmed, he, he did get confirmed, which is great. Um, he stood up in front of the ward and wanted to like give a speech in front of the whole congregation. Uh, Brother Neil Adam was the ward missionary. And he was like, motioning the other Crockett and I like, like, like come grab him and make him sit down. Like, no, like he's, he's been confirmed. He's yours at this point. Uh, anyways, he said, I mean, he didn't say anything inappropriate. He was just, it was like, it was, he was saying, thank you. Like, thanks for welcoming me to the ward. And just one of those, like no one was expecting him to, uh, stand up front and give a speech. Um, so that was nice. That brought a little bit of relief after the, the other day debacle. And then I think we found one other Indian guy that ended up getting baptized after I left the area. Um, I was only with, with other Crockett for six weeks. Um, and then I transferred again, but I remember those P days going to like Donatar castle. That castle was so cool. Right. Um, we went and did a lot of hill climbing. We'd go with, go with the zone leaders and go, um, go do that. Lot, lots of soccer and football with, you know, with both of those Aberdeen wards close by, um, Aberdeen was good. So yeah, after six weeks, I transferred to Irvine and I was with another British man at this point, um, other Sean Waite, which he needs to get on. Do you have him committed yet? He told me he'd gone like back and forth and cancel. What, what's the story? Um, let me check my schedule and you carry on. I'll let you know what, what we got. Yeah. If not, um, it would probably be appropriate for one of you two to call him and just hammer him. 
to to come. <laughs> I've tried to hammer him a little bit, but he's he's just being just being a little avoidant. That's all. Um, loved other weight. Um, he's just a little tiny guy, just skinny. He's bald. Um, glasses, and he thought he thought he was so tough. I just remember that, like he would talk like he was the toughest man. I was like, Elder, you weigh like 140 pounds or something. Like you have no hair, you got glasses. Like you, you, you sure talked really tough for just being a little, a little British guy. But he was, um, he was awesome. Uh, he introduced me very lovingly to the Urban Youth on day one. So we showed up to uh, Moa, a recent convert's lawn, and I was introduced to uh, what getting scanted meant. Did, have, any, have any of you ever heard of getting scanted? Nope. I hadn't either. It's when someone pants and someone, someone pulls your pants down, like all the way to the ankles. Right. So I'm in gym shorts mowing this lady's lawn and like Jack wild, you know, jumps out from behind a bush and like scans me all the way to my ankles, grab <laughs> the keys to our car and like jumps in our car and takes off down the street. Like I, I haven't met him. Like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, and they like, they drove our car on the block. They'd come back and we'd like almost get the car back. And then they, drive off again and this probably went on for like 30 or 40 minutes um they finally came back we start mowing the lawn again do a little better job of hiding the keys they had like water balloons hit in this member's backyard so then they start like water ballooning us um and it turns out i guess right before i was there i think elder lee was there and they could bully him to a breaking point i think that he would just like lose his mind so they were trying to find my breaking point um very early on, but they were like, they were brutal. Um, we had a lot of fun memories with, with those others, but I think they broke into our flat a couple of times. We got egged one time, like they stole all of our ties. So it was like a Sunday morning and we, oh we couldn't get ties to wear to church because somehow um, Luke and Jack and Manny had gone into our flat. Um, so that was, that was interesting. Uh, an interesting first day in the area, um, but it was good. At this point in the mission, we'd been taught to, to GQ very direct. Like the concept was of like people are prepared and they're out there. If they, if they want to progress, you need to ask them a direct question. So like Zach, if you knew there was one true church on the earth today, would you want to be baptized into it? Like you'd either say yes or no. Right. Yeah. Um, we were great at that. And people were great at saying no. right up front. <laughs> um, so yeah, we didn't, we didn't teach a whole lot. We did teach um, a couple of, of rock stars, um, Jack and Laney. They had a, like a metal garage band that they would like set up in their living room and play for us. They had like the, the leather jacket, like the metal studs on the shoulder pads, uh, big mohawks, <laughs> but another one of those that just the chains of addiction was, was really tough with them. And they, um, they didn't, they didn't really progress. And at this point we got asked to start going out of the strand our branch a little bit more. So that was fun to get to go see some of all of that. Um, all of that coast, uh, coastal area. Spent a lot of time with um, President McRobb and the Corrigan family, which I guess President McRobb passed away a couple of years ago. I don't know if anybody served around him, but I, I was trying to find him, and I think he had some sort of a cancer or something and passed away. So that was that was sad. But they were just they were so happy to have missionaries back. I think it had been quite a while since they'd had missionaries in that little branch, um, and so that was fun. Um, did find a couple families to teach in Stranraer that came to church, but um, no one, no one progressed too far. Um, six weeks later, other weight transferred out. Um, another Jake Mulford 
came into the area. So that was cool. That was the guy that I had like the awkward first date with over the brownies and ice cream back before we left. Um, <laughs> and same group as me. So that was fun to be around him. Um, other Mulford's kind of famous. Uh, he was a extra in High School Musical. I don't know if you've had a chance to see that, but uh, that was like the best finding technique that we could have. Like we would do an intro and people would start to weigh Jake. Jake would be like, hey, have you ever seen a high school musical? Like, I was in that. Um, so that was fine. That was, that was more effective than other weights than a like very direct, like, you know, do you want to live with your family forever? And then get told no and be like, well, that person wasn't. He act like Jake was, uh, he was very good at um just connecting with people. He was very genuine, very sincere. So that, that was fun. Um, found a few memory referrals that we, we taught with there. This is probably one of the coolest things um, of my mission. So we've been, our, the members were burned out, right? Like they'd been, they'd done such a great job on member work and they'd been, been asked so much for referrals. Like they were, they were tired. Um, and so we, we kind of reset and like, we're just going to commit them to fast and pray that we can find a family to teach. And so I think like in the course of a week or two, we went to every member's home and gave them the same commitment. I uh, didn't really ask them for referrals. Just said like, Hey, we, we want to find a family that's prepared. Like, will you fast and pray for us? And it wasn't too long after that, that we found the Quell family. So there was um, Joy and Gary who were married. And then they had um, Daryl, their son and Piper, who was, who was their young daughter. Um, and they were one of those that was just like a godsend, right? Like they were, they were so prepared. They, progressed well they understood the doctrine well they didn't really have any huge concerns to overcome uh, it was really it was really fun to teach them uh, had a beautiful home like we were able to teach them in their home or take them to members homes and, and i can't remember for sure how we found them so she was really good friends with um with sister ferguson and i think they went to school together back in the day and i don't know if, if sister ferguson maybe referred her to us or or what, but anyways, it, it was cool to see that the whole ward had been praying to find this family. All of a sudden, it's like family starts showing up to church. Um, and that was neat. It was kind of a bummer. Elder Mulford got transferred out. I think they go be the assistant at this point. Um, so he was only with me for six weeks and then he transferred out. And um, Elder Cody Ruche moved in with me and he was also in the same MTC group. So that was kind of fun to get to have two, two back to back missionaries um, finish baptizing the Quell family. Um, that was awesome. We taught them all the recent convert lessons in members' homes. That, that was a good faith-building experience, I think, for everybody. And then that terrible, like, swine flu pandemic hit. Um, and Elder Ruscha was just sick as a dog. And I don't, I don't think it ever got like confirmed that that's what he was. But it was, it was right in the thick of when, you know, it was just blowing up in Scotland. I, I think we were stuck in our flat for like two weeks or something. Um, oh man. I was prideful and didn't want to sit in there. So I would set up exchanges and actually leave. Um, I think this was really close to when I think president Griffiths had come in at this point. Cause uh, somehow he got word that I was like leading on exchanges. It, uh, he called me and uh, very lovingly told me like, don't do stupid things. The swine flu is really contagious. Like you need to be in your, uh, in your apartment with other Ruscha. So I felt out of that other Ruscha. He was, uh, <laughs> he was really sick, but, um, we had fun teaching the quells and that was just an awesome word, right? People in the past have talked about between President Yates and Bishop Govins and all the wild family and um, all the urban youth, like just, just a really fun, really fun ward. You never had a shortage of dinner appointments, remember lessons, beautiful area. I, I loved urban. 
Um, after those six weeks with him, I got I got transferred back to Scumby, which which broke my heart a little bit. Back to Bingham Ward. Um, exci- excited to be in Bingham Ward. This was summertime, like beautiful, right? This was, I think, like maybe August through through when I went home at the end of November. Um, weather was great. Just had like PTSD from, which is funny because that's why I never served in Glasgow Zone. I hear all the like horror stories of Glasgow. I don't have anything like that in in Dundee. It was just it was just a tough area. Um, so I got transferred in with Elder Talbot, and that was awesome because he lived like ten minutes from my house, and I didn't. I didn't even know that um, when he was out on the mission. Um also was a redneck, which was phenomenal. If uh, if you ever get him on, he has a great uh, Alabama or Tim McGraw singing voice. There'd be a few nights that he would, you know, sing me to sleep of, of some good classic, you know, 90s Tim McGraw songs. Um, I'd really, really like a musical number. I don't think you've had a musical number on the podcast yet, have you? No, that's not what this is for. And I was in a volunteer <laughs> set that he could do. Uh, maybe 18 wheeler by Alabama or um, <laughs> but um yeah so the time I had a crazy story so just a few weeks prior to when I moved in they had they um, taught and baptized um uh a male he'd been confirmed they advanced into the office of the ironic priest and then I think he died of a heart attack um and oh, I yeah. remember some talking about like they all felt the sense of urgency to um to, to ordain this guy to the office to the office of an elder like as fast as they could and you know he didn't he didn't make it that far but i just remember said something that they were really glad that like there was that spirit of urgency and and i don't know right you, you look back however many years ago it's been and it's easy to like second guess things right like it was fast paced people got baptized and yeah there's some that you know maybe should have had some more time but then i think there's instances like that that like Good thing there was a sense of urgency, and you know that man was able to receive those blessings while he was still on his on his mortal journey. And um, I just remember that kind of left a, a lasting impression that um, you know it's important to do things with a sense of urgency. And so that and I liked that. Mm. Um, Scum D though did not; it still didn't treat me well. So one day we're in our flat and we start looking and we notice that like things are missing. So I, I say things like all of a sudden like Elder Talbot's luggage is gone and like i'd been buying a soccer jersey from each of the areas i'd served and like i open up the closet and like all of my soccer jerseys are gone um and another other been on exchange he left his digital camera and his digital camera was gone we're like what in the world um so all we can think is when we'd go exercise and then we'd go run in the morning someone must have like kicked in our door but they didn't like they didn't like ransack the place they like strategically took um things so yeah stetson lost all of his luggage um, poor other step lost his his digital camera. I don't think he had anything backed up. Um, so we called the cops <laughs> to report it, and they more or less like separated steps and I. And they're like, "Hey, the only person that would do this is someone who's living here. Like, you need to you need to go confront the person you're living with and like find out where they put your stuff." Like, they didn't even believe us. They just like uh, wanted us to go blame the other person, which was was weird. Um, and this was funny, Elder, Elder Talbot, he was furious. He was like, all right, we're going to we're gonna study how to dust off our feet. And, like, we're, we're dusting off our feet of whoever it was that, that came and robbed us. And I was like, well, Stetson, like, what if it was, like, a, you know, a, a single mother that was starving and, like, she had to come steal this to um, to go feed her kid. And 
It's that like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's who it was. You know, a, a poor single mom that doesn't have money, so she comes and robs people's apartments at six in the morning. Um, <laughs> he was he was just funny. He was he was furious. Um, we did not did not dust our feet. We uh, yeah, we didn't need to do that. But um, John Gellatly was in the ward, and I think a few guys have talked about him. But he had his blessings restored just previously before this. Um, fantastic. He'd been back to the temple just to. He was just solid. He was on fire. Um, he had a couple of kids, though, that, that lived kind of a rough lifestyle. So when he found out we'd been robbed, he told their kids what had happened. And they were able to find out who it was that had taken all of our stuff. Um, but it had already been sold at that point. So that was kind of a bummer. I was hoping that we could Dang. recover. But, yeah, he he knew. He was like, yeah, they kicked, they kicked in your door when you'd go when you'd go running. And, like, they'd been in our flat, like, multiple times, apparently. And that was a weird feeling. Um, wow. Yeah. Did either of you others were you in Dundee Bingham at all? Nope, I didn't serve in D- Dundee. So the, it was a pretty rough. It was a pretty rough street that that flat was on. Um, just not the best location. Another one of those were like probably somebody should have called the office and been like, "Hey, can we maybe move to a nicer area?" But we didn't. So um, one night we had the Kirkcaldy elders, the Perth elders. I, th- I think even the Cooper elders were all in our flat because we had an early zone conference. Um, actually, it may have even been when when Elder Holland came. I can't remember for sure. Um, but anyway, so it's the middle of the night, and we hear this like glass pane just shatter. And so the flat beneath us, and you'd always kind of got the vibe they were like selling drugs or doing something illegal. Out of, there was always like dodgy people standing outside. So we hear this shatter, and like look down, and someone's like jumping out the the shattered window, chasing after somebody else. And um, we didn't think much of it, but then uh, someone chaps on our door, like. I don't know, 10, 15 minutes later, and it, and it was the police. So I remember I I opened up the door and I thought they would just say there, but they, the police like stepped into our room and they like shined their flashlight over to the to the living room. So we had like all 10 of our elders and like drug all of our mattresses into the same room uh, and we're sleeping there. And I just remember the look on this lady's cop, like or this lady's face, like, what is going on in here? And um yeah, that was sleepover. Yeah. Oh man. We promise. Um, yeah, so that so that was awkward. She was like, "We need to interview all of you." Um, and one of the others was like, "Well, he's like, well, we're just in our underwear. Like, can you give us time to get dressed?" I'm like, "She wouldn't even do that." So like, there's ten of us in there. Like, we're you know we're all sleeping in the same thing. Like, I can just imagine how like that conflict. Just thinking like, what in the world did we just like knock into? And it was the same. It was the same. Uh, officers that came and took the report that something had been stolen out of our apartment so then like she thought we were even more crazy but oh my goodness <laughs> yeah that was bizarre um so john gallatly same guy he found out that this had happened so i guess he called the the mission home the next day and said like if they didn't transfer his flats he was going to come like make us live with him and uh we ended up getting new uh, a new apartment after that in like Brody ferry or something which was a, a much nicer area than um than where we had been um, hmm. it's good there were a lot of funny stories in Dundee because there weren't a lot of great uh, um, teaching stories um, I remember Elder, Elder Mulford and um, Elder Clark Peterson he's another one that you need to make sure you get on I think they were assistants at the time um, they were coming over for splits and we didn't have any food at that time I think all we had was like a jar of curry sauce and some basmati rice or something so I think we'd been in Cooper or something. We were driving back and um, a pheasant flew into the side panel of the car, um, but it killed it. 
And so we pulled over and like, I was like, Hey, it's like, it, it's really not that bad. Like, you know, we didn't, we didn't hit it with the grill, like it more died on impact. Like it's not, you know, it, it's not that gory. So like, we'll, we'll just take it home and eat it. So we, uh, we threw it in the trunk of the car, um, took it home and the assistance minister. So we brought this pheasant up and we, like we cleaned it out and we made pheasant curry out of it. And I just remember how disgusted Elder Peterson was. So he, um, he's from like Danville, California, pretty, you know, pretty nice area. Um, I don't think he'd been exposed to anything like that. You know, we're, we're like gutting it in our kitchen, like in the kitchen, you know, feathers are flying everywhere. Um, I don't know if he actually ate any of it or not, but like it was, it was phenomenal. Uh, there was no professional chef work involved, but, uh, uh, you know, Moses got his manna. Um, we got our pheasant. Um, there was so professional that, hunters involved. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was some strategy in that one. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. And I've got a picture of that too. So I'll, I'll try to add this up so we can fight through a couple pictures. Um, other Talbot, another funny thing we would do is we would exact, we would kind of make up stories about each other to our members or our, or our investigators. Uh, we were teaching a lady named Donna and she, she was like a concert violinist. That was one of those she said she was, but she had like some pretty strong chains of addiction. And so you weren't quite sure if you were getting the full story or not. And we could never get her to come to church. We taught her for like four or five weeks and she'd always commit to come and then, um, then never come. So the one time I told her, I was like, well, if, like, you know, the other tablets, a concert pianist, right? And she was like, oh, no. And I was like, well, if you come to church, like you and other Talbot could do a musical number, like in front of the whole church, like you ring your violin, uh, other Talbot will ring his piano and other Talbot was just furious. Like, uh, I, I kind of cutting him off and like, like exaggerating the story. Where I was like, yeah, he went to the school of Juilliard. Like he's a very well-trained, like classical uh, pianist. Like you really need to come so you can hear him play. Like he plays every Sunday. Like he's, He's the organist. Um, she never, she never did come to church, but um, <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, he. I was hoping that she did, and what happened as a result? That would have been more entertaining. Yeah, I don't know what we would have done. It would have been, uh, it would have been bad. It's probably a tender mercy she didn't come because, uh, in hindsight, probably not the smartest thing to do as a as a missionary. But we just wanted her to come to church. Uh, that's all. Um, <laughs> I think it was. So it was probably, yeah, I think it was this time when, they, yeah, so the Griffiths were here. I think they came in July of, of oh, July of 09. Um, yeah, so they were here, and this was, you know, when the transition was was happening from the Fredericks to the Griffiths. Um, and it was, it was just different, right? Like everything we've been taught, um, it was, it was like, it was a 180 degree shift. Um, and, and I feel bad that, you know, Stetson and I should have been more, we should have been more open and embraced, you know, what we were being taught more. Um, we didn't do the best job of that. I remember we were driving, to, I think it was the first zone leader council. And, and somehow we got a copy of like the training to the mission presidents um, that had just been done. I don't know who got us that album. So we listened to, you know, all the apostles were training the mission presidents on, on what they wanted them to focus on. And, and I remember it was talking like when you have your missionaries together, don't teach from like Disney, don't teach from like, storybooks or don't give fables like you teach from the scriptures right like your time is limited with them you teach from the scriptures um so we show up to we show up to zone leader council and like that was the first thing sister griffiths did she was like well, we're gonna read and i forget what book it even was but, like it wasn't from the scriptures i was set to just each other like 
Oh my gosh. And, and like, and I feel bad. We were, uh, we were prideful and wrong with, with our, our mindset on that. Um, and then I, then I think she read section like 121 from the doctrine and covenants. And she said something along the lines of like, we're just going to go ahead and like change the words in the scriptures right here. And set some hour just like, who is this lady? Like she's going to come in and, you know, teach us from storybooks with pictures. I'm like, um, change wordings from doctrine and covenants. Like I, th- I think that was the same thing when president Griffiths was like, you know, if, if another doesn't want to put product in his hair, like he doesn't have to, like it, it's not your job to go tell him that, Hey, you need to put product in your hair. Like he's an agent unto himself. He can, he can choose. Um, so I, I feel bad on that. And I've, I've, I talked to both president and sister Griffiths at the last mission reunion and they were uh, very kind and loving, but I think I owed them apology for uh, maybe the way that we didn't follow their counsel. It was funny. We were, we were so big on following the brethren, right? Like we wanted exact obedience and, and model ourselves after the brethren like president and sister griffiths like they were the brethren right like at the time uh, they were the brethren and then it's funny too you see how much when president um, nelson some of the directives he's taken and the way he's changed things like no one wants it like, well that's not the way that president monson did it um, so i i feel bad on that um one other funny story with other Talbot, we were we were, there was a single sister. Her name was Maureen Smith. She lived in, in Dundee, Bingham. Um, she became a temple worker. And so I think, and I forget the whole story. Whoever reactivated her, found her needs to come on, but she had been like a recluse. She lived in her apartment and hadn't left for like years. She had some sort of a phobia. Um, hadn't left her apartment at all. Uh, and missionaries found her. Uh, they either baptized her or reactivated her. Like she ended up working in a temple, like holding calling. She'd come on all these joint teachers with the missionaries. Like she was just phenomenal. And so um, Stetson and I were, at, I think we had a lunch appointment at her house one day. And one of the other missionaries in the zone saw that our car was there. So they they called President Griffiths and they were like, hey, other, other Talbot and other Allen are meeting with a single sister uh, without another set of missionaries present. And so President Griffiths called us um, and nicely was like, Hey, like you're, you're not obedient at all. Like you can't be in a single sister's home. Uh, you don't have somebody else with you. Like you can't have a two to one ratio with a, with a female. And, um, same things that we hung up and sets and like, Oh, call another right now. We're, we're going to go hammer him. And uh, we, we did it, but it was a, just a good reminder that um, we always need to be obedient, not just when it's, convenient to us so um there were some good humbling moments from president griffiths it was just it was just a different transition um i i did well well i shouldn't say it well i hammer time was right for me um it helped me be a better missionary i feel bad because i think maybe i didn't help others i I forget who it was i think it was just maybe other pain that said you know when there's a high level of expectation and not a high level of love that's not the best recipe. And then there, I know, I know there was some of that. Um, uh, yeah, I think we all, we all have the best intentions and we just wanted, we just wanted to be our best. And I think sometimes maybe that got, got carried away, but anyways. Um, so I died in, I died in Dundee. Um, I love that war. I, that was probably the longest area I served in then between my two stints there it was in, was in Dundee, Bingham. Um, a lot of great memories there. It was just a tough area to teach the very last day in that area. We found a lady named, uh, Mitchell Sinclair, and uh, it, it was the day before I left. I went home, and uh, Elder Talbot ended up seeing her get baptized that next move. So that was cool. That was like the only, like even like stretch of hint of uh, success as far as teaching someone uh, to make and keep commitments in Dundee Bingham. So that was cool. 
I know time's short, so I'll fly through kind of some of these last four bullet points. So everyone's talked about some of the, the general authorities that we got to have come to the mission. Um, Elder Neil Anderson, he wasn't an apostle at the time. He came right before he got put in as a quorum of the 12. Um, I just remember how intense he was. Like, he just come back from Brazil. Uh, he's like, I don't care what your mission goal is. I don't care that it's doubled. Like, I was just in South America, and they baptized, you know, 10,000 people, whatever the number was. And he was like, that, that's cute. You had a couple hundred baptisms. Like, well, <laughs> like he less prideful. Um, he, he was intense. Um, Elder Holland, that was phenomenal. What stuck out to me is when he shook all of our hands, and then he just said, hey, President, I've, I've just done my interviews when I shook your hands. Like, that, that was pretty cool. Um, Elder Bednar was amazing. He talked a lot on that concept of one by one, which at the time that was the first I'd really like heard or focused on that. Um, it seems like in the last decade or so, we've heard that a lot more, but he said something along the lines of the phrase one by one appears like six times in the book of Mormon. Um, if you'll study those six instances, like your understanding of the atonement will grow more than it ever could otherwise or something like that. So that was cool. I remember um, actively studying those phrases and when those occur. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then Elder Mom, he was, you know, the one that really said like, hey, hammer time needs to, needs to come to an end. And I just remember how much he talked about like how the mission hasn't seen miracles yet. And the miracles were so close to being unleashed. Um, and leading with love would be the way to unleash all those miracles. So that was cool. I've got my hour and thirty six minutes, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna stop. I don't want to be I don't want to be that guy that goes for two and a half hours. You will not beat our record, I promise. Good, I don't want to. <laughs> you beat your uh, twenty minute prediction though by a fair I did. bit. I, did. I was I was nervous. I was scared. No, you did great. Um, one thing we ask people that come on is any memories that you have in specific of the Fredericks and obviously the Griffiths in your case as well. Yeah. Sort of a couple things. One thing I loved about president Frederick was he was all about like short, powerful statements of truths. He'd just say like one or two sentences and they would just like ring. So I just, I just took a couple out of my study journal. Um, when people, when members were always saying, Hey, we were like only worried about numbers. I remember president Frederick in a ward council once, um, he had everybody pull out their temple recommend number and he said, look at the barcode and tell me what's underneath it. And it's a number. And he said, we're, we're all numbers. Like it's not about the numbers, but we're even a number on our temple recommend. <laughs> I thought that was, uh, that was gutsy. I don't think I would have done that. Um, <laughs> Goodness. I can't remember the context of this, but it was, it was during my first interview with president. And he asked me why I'd come on my mission. And I thought I'd given a good answer because I, I felt like I was there for the right reasons, but maybe not. Um, he, he said, it's okay to come on your mission for the wrong reason. It's not okay to stay out for the wrong reason. And I thought that was, was cool. Um, you can't ask the Lord to help you convert someone past your own conversion level. It was all about that Bunsen burner flame, right? Like if your flame's not that hot as blue, you can't, you can't expect to convert somebody past that. Um, another funny one, I was, when I was with other croc at training, and we had our interviews and, and president said, he just asked like, how's the area going? How's your teaching pool? And I kind of said like, oh, we're, we're teaching a lot of people we're working hard. We're being obedient. Like we haven't quite seen the blessings yet, but um, we're really working hard and trying to do our best. And his response was, 
But if you're doing your best and working your hardest, your teaching pool should reflect that. Like that was, that hit like a ton of bricks, right? Like, Ouch, and, yeah. yeah. And that's just how president was like, he, I don't think he ever meant anything to be rude. He was just, he was just direct. And I appreciated that. Um, have you had them on yet? I know they're coming up soon. Have you already met with them? As we're sitting here, we're talking to them this week on Thursday. Awesome. So make sure you get their conversion story. And then um, when they went to the temple to get sealed and, and the start getting their mission call. I, I won't talk, touch on any of those. Um, I remember being his own leaders. A lot of times your interviews with him, he'd put both of his hands on your shoulder, kind of pull you into a room and just stare in your eyes and say, are you worthy? And that would be the extent of your, of your interviews. Um, he could see into your soul with that. Um, you know, you can't expect those in your district or zone to outperform what you were producing like that. When you're on the Lord's errand, you're entitled to the Lord's help. That was kind of what he shared at the last mission reunion. Talked about how we always think of that as missionaries, right? But it applies as husbands, as dads, whatever we may be in. If you're still on the Lord's errand, you're entitled to his help. Um, he would always compare the upper room of the mission home to the upper room of the Newell K. Whitney store, which was cool. He talked about some of the, the school of the prophets and some of the amazing, you know, revelatory experiences that happened there. And he'd just kind of pose a question like, do you expect the same miracles to happen in the upper room of the mission home is what happened there. Um, that was cool. Um, more testimonies are built on your feet than on your knees. I like that. He was a, a big fan of you go. You go earn your testimony. You don't sit idly by and expect it to come to you. And then last, um, I remember this was in my departing interview. He said, up, up until now, this should be one of the most defining moments of your life, but there will be events more transcendent than this. And he just meant to be like, hey, like up till now, this is the best thing that's happened. But like going forward, it, it's not going to be. You've got bigger goals for So that was cool. Um President Grizz, I was just impressed with how well he could go do hard things. Like he had to do hard things, right? Like kind of overturn hammer time, combine those two missions, uh, ramp down the number of missionaries, find a way to unify like two entirely different cultures. Um, and he just did it. Like he wasn't, he wasn't scared. He wasn't intimidated by, you know, a bunch of, prideful zone leaders and assistants in a, in a meeting that maybe didn't see eye to eye with what he was trying to do. Um, he would just lovingly knew what he was supposed to do and he consistently did it. Uh, yeah, but that's always stuck out to me. It's amazing. I love that. Great quotes from president Frederick. And I had my last six months of my mission when he was brand new. And so kind of similar to you with the Griffiths and, some of those were quotes that he would share a lot. Like I can remember those, just you, uh, you're, you bringing that memory back to me. That was really, really special. So, well, Drew, like we talked about, you definitely went over 20 minutes. You've, <laughs> you've, you've shared some awesome experiences. You had a great list of companions and uh, people that we'd love to have on the podcast in the future. Is there any of them in specific, including companions that you'd like to call out? And before I let you have have at it, um, Sean did postpone, but we haven't rescheduled. So as we were talking, I sent him a message, and we'll see what we can get it, do to get him back on the schedule. Fine. Yeah. I know. I think I think we. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm negotiating with Andy Harper right now too on when to get him on. So it should be fairly soon. 
That's right. Perfect. You know, I think I think Sean Wade, Clark Peterson, um, the Man Wearings, um, Ryan Blake, he'd be another good one. Yeah. And then some of the sisters too. So I don't really heard from any sisters during really when I served. So Sister Nalls, that's N-A-U-L-L-S. And she's got married. I may have to send you, I don't remember what their not maiden names are. Sister Ott would be good to hear from. Sister Williams. I'll, I'll send you a follow-up. I, I think I'm friends with them on Facebook. But. Yeah, I mean, more than anything, we, we appreciate referrals. So, uh, you know, anybody that you can think of that you'd like to be on here, um, know that we will share this on the SEM Facebook page. But by all means, you're more than welcome to share it on your own page and, you know, just tag all your friends and do whatever you need to to get it in front of people. It's It's been pretty amazing as we've connected with more and more people to hear how many people are listening and how this is impacting them. So don't hesitate to share it, Drew. That's all we have to say. Cool. No, thanks, guys. It's awesome. Love, love what you're doing. I look forward to the Fredericks uh, and and others, but really yeah. looking forward to hear that. Are they going to be number 100? Have you passed episode 100 yet? They will be number 100, yes. Oh, phenomenal. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we just want to say thank you for taking time. We know that you have um, there's value to your time, and we're grateful that you spent almost two hours with us tonight sharing your experience. And more than anything, you're impacting other people's lives who are listening to you, and they will be inspired by the words that you shared tonight so and we just want to express to you our love um we're so grateful that you're our brother in scotland so um if there's ever anything we can do to be of assistance to you we're here for you i mean that's just that we're we're in this beautiful brotherhood and sisterhood of amazing missionaries who served in that wonderful land so please let us know if we can ever be of help to you and uh, we appreciate it well thanks elders appreciate you all right, Drew. Well, have a good night. Cheerio, brother. Cheerio. Bye.